I shouldn't, really, because this would be a completely different podcast if it was just me screaming about the government conspiracy. Probably fit right in with Lewis's crowd, though. Yeah. (laughs) In a heartbeat, just screaming about the race war. I sat my water on the actual table instead of the tablecloth. So um, you're shit around. Because you're stupid? Do you want a podcast by yourself? <laughs> I can get up and leave. You can do this one all by your lonely. I'm joking with you, my love. Obviously, I was in my zen, stupid. I had a bath today, and now you're being a cunt. Now I'm attacking you because I'm bad at video games. How is that my fault? It's not. <laughs> And it's probably a positive trait at the end, you know. If I was good at video games, I probably wouldn't be productive. What were you playing? Warzone. Uh, I tried to play the Hitman game, but we're still stuck on that one level. Yeah, where we we're never going to beat that level. No, got to kill four guys. I figured out how to get in. Really? That was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I, you'll have to show me that later. Cause you yeah, have... I snuck around. I shot one dude, and when the second dude came over to investigate the body, I shot him in the head, and then there was nobody else, and I was like... Got a uniform. Yeah, Do you actually blend in when you put the uniform on? or? Yeah, for most of it, but the places where the targets are, you've got to like dress up as a SWAT team guy, and almost everybody in there is a SWAT team guy, so I don't know how we're going to do that. That's where I come in, because yeah. I, I found all the uniforms super easy. <laughs> Killed that one dude in the sound booth. Exactly. You're, you are my voice of reason in the <laughs> game of Hitman. <laughs> yeah, because you just shoot things and move on. Just walt- waltz right into the room, gun down 50 people. It was, you know, no witnesses. <laughs> I'm like, but no, if you pay attention, they're walking the same path on a loop, and if you just sit here and wait, he'll come back around, yep, and you can just get him right here. I don't have that kind of patience, because the old <laughs> ones used to be timed, so like you had to get in and out and kill only the target. It was fucking really complicated. And uh, I also loved the Blood Money uh, game, where you were almost encouraged to just shoot everything that fucking I think did. technically, to some extent, this one's time because we have been playing a few times and I've lost the opportunity to do certain opportunities. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it long. loops the same way. Yeah. Like, I, I think the... Like, the non-main characters are on a loop, but yeah. the main characters aren't necessarily always doing the same thing, so if you miss what they're doing at the time, you're screwed. Yeah, I don't know. You want to try it again later? No, we gotta watch a two-star tonight. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got a two-star. But that's not today. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch, straight out of the bath, Kristen Bloom. I am. I'm all smooth and I smell nice. Yeah. I smell like milk and honey, which in theory does not seem like it would smell that nice. Especially not on a warm day. Yeah, but in lotion form. <laughs> I smell quite feminine. Well, I'm, 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 I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your feminine smells. <laughs> if you came out of there smelling like Axe body spray, I'd hit you in the throat. <laughs> I'm just going to start stealing your deodorant yeah. and all that. Yeah. I'm pretty bummed out because I re- was really excited. We, we did game night. I've got some positive feedback from game night. Um, and so I was like, we should do a game night part two, because I had a blast. Did you like the game night episode? It was fun. I was worried before I listened back to it that it was going to be really boring yeah. for anyone else. But uh, 
we did so poorly that it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my buddy Tucker at work, and he, that's what he said. He said he was driving around in his patrol vehicle screaming the names of films. Like, you morons! Yeah. Well, it was the one that he remembered was when I started singing the Godfather theme, and you couldn't get there. And he goes, I was screaming the Godfather out the window of the car. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So people had fun. <laughs> and so I went to the store, and I was like, well, we could play a different game. You know, I don't want to beat that one to death, or else it'll be too easy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that one again. But um, and found this game by the Cyanide and Happiness guys called Trial by Trolley, where you're supposed to you get dealt a hand of cards and much in the Cyanide and Happiness vein, it's extremely offensive. Um, you've got a trolley that is going down one line; it needs to diverge into two lines. You build um, the worst case scenario <laughs> that you can come up with, like funny thing, you know, like this is a dog that has undiscovered terminal cancer. This is a a uh, bunch of kids in a swimming pool and that one's going to grow up to be a serial killer. Which one do you take out? Mm -hmm. And in my head, I was like, we could have some really funny discussions, but the key point of the game is you need a quote-unquote conductor mm -hmm. uh, to pick which group dies. And I couldn't figure out before the show how we were going to do that. So we're going to have to play this game some point we this week. We need a third-party caller. Somebody yeah. call into the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, they we could call a... random people and be like, okay, so here's the scenario. <laughs> we could. Um, we should call uh, Becky with that. She'd be like, what on earth are you just, on about? <laughs> just like, call 30 different people and be like, okay, you're my conductor. What's up? But just answer the fucking question. You're going to think I'm having another manic meltdown. Um, there's another game by them called Joking Hazard, which mm -hmm. is a more hilarious and inappropriate version of apples to apples basically but it, it's yeah. very similar you need a third person because you have to convince that third person that your series of inappropriate cards is uh more hilarious yeah so you and i couldn't really play against kind of like other cards against that. humanity type thing uh yeah yeah it is yeah. yeah apple i forgot apples to apples and cards against humanity are basically the same thing so yeah it's very similar but um it's pictures instead of just words. Huh. So um, you basically create a three-picture comic strip mm -hmm. that's, you know, some morbidly hilarious scenario. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, same concept. like the. Would that work with two people? I don't think so because you... It's and like somebody has and, to pick who's yeah. the winner and of each round. And we don't have a video element, so we wouldn't be able to show the picture. So we'd just be... Man kicks self in balls. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean... <coughs> Somebody has to pick the more hilarious card, and if you and I are only playing against each other, I'm always going to pick my cards. I'm, never, I'm not going to hand you the win, so... Yeah, unfortunately, that one would require at least a third person, so but we, it's we, a fun game. We need to find a workaround for trial by trolley, and I'm sure we can figure it out. We just have to figure out a way to not win or lose, maybe just come up with the funniest scenarios if and debate had, it out uh, ourselves. more consistent audience space, we could live stream it, and then people could... Right, there comments, you go. That but, would be uh, fun. We would uh, probably need a more consistent audience. Yeah, so what you guys need to do is like <laughs> the show, share the show, and then we can have a fun little community of alcoholic writers and filmmakers. And we can and live stream and you guys can comment in the comments yeah. who's the winner. I'm, I'm for it. Can we figure that out? We get a no be cool. You know, like on MySpace, uh, way, way back in the fucking day. But the, 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 you could put a comment section, like a chat wall on mm. your wall. It would be cool to put that up on the page so that people could talk to each other i mean mm. twitter exists now and that's probably the smarter way to go about it but or just like do this. a facebook poll yeah something even. like that we'll like figure it out we did a battle off for our photos we could do a <laughs> facebook poll like you got five minutes to cast your vote or whatever <laughs> 
But I've got a few things today. Uh, one big thing, and then just a couple of things, you know, that we can kind of discuss if we want to. Ooh, as I burp. And of course, I've got, you know, my, my, my little book here, The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles by Stephen Pressfield. Um, and I've got three different areas of that that we that can get to. Is that my copy or your copy? That's my copy because I, I checked. Mine's got the spines all busted up and highlighted over and all that shit. So, uh, But first things first, what did you do literally all day, Kristen? Uh, both today and yesterday I worked on the movie. So in um, our movie, uh, mm-hmm. Brainstorm. So in Friday's episode, um, last week, we said... Saturdays, you changed the day. Oh yeah, we released on Saturdays. <laughs> and uh, that's not because I'm lazy, that's because my laptop has decided to completely give up on me. I, it rarely ever turns on anymore, unfortunately, so I have to get a new one. And uh, for right now, I can't edit the podcast while I'm at work on lunch, yeah. so unfortunately. Uh, yeah, we've moved to Saturday well, you got to work around, you got to adjust as a creative person. Yeah, so we have Saturday episodes now because my laptop has die to death and I have to edit it at home on the home computer now. Saturday probably works better anyway because it's a drinking show and you can just get hammered on yeah. Saturday night. But anyway, um, so yeah, last Saturday's episode we uh, mentioned that we were almost done uh, with Brainstorm and that yeah. it would be coming out uh, within the week if it wasn't out already. So unfortunately, as you guys have probably realized as of the airing of this show, it is not out yet. <laughs> it will be out this Sunday. Um, yeah. So two days from the time that you're listening to this episode. One day, because we release on Saturday. Saturdays now. One day. <laughs> I am not good at this. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> deadlines are hard. <laughs> we were playing Jeopardy the other night. Granted, I was drunk as shit, uh, but we were playing Jeopardy. A basic math problem came on the television screen. I think the answer was four. I guessed sixty. It was embarrassing. <laughs> Kristen had to get up and slowly explain on four different attempts how to work through the fucking you know seven x equals two. If this is true, then x plus y equals thirty. Yeah. Whatever. And. <laughs> My head exploded. You, I couldn't figure it you out. You generally crush me on history stuff, though. So anytime <laughs> there's like a thing where you need to know any facts about any events ever, I'm like, Colonel Mustard yeah. in the library with the candlestick. And but, Brett's like, no, it was George Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened back in 1695. I don't know how you don't understand that. But it's, you know, a, a true balancing act, I guess, with my own intelligence slash lack of intelligence. I am very brave when it comes to answering the history questions or the literature questions, a lot of movie questions. You throw a basic math problem in my direction, you can watch me just slip away. You know, just glaze over. I'm like, I don't even know where, what they're asking me right now. I was proud of myself that go around, though, because I did get to... Like, history questions right on a lucky guess. Yeah. They're badass. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so, yeah. I don't know how we got there. But, yeah, we were working on Brainstorm today. Uh-huh. So, as of the airing of this episode, um, it will be out tomorrow. There you go. I don't know <laughs> what time tomorrow. Probably after lunchtime, at mm-hmm. least. Because Brett and I have to re-record. And we live on the West Coast. And we're probably going to sleep in. Yeah. Um, so, definitely. Because I'm <laughs> not even probably going to be out of my pajamas before noon yeah uh but brett and i unfortunately have to re-record maybe like two lines of dialogue that i then have to dub over and there's like a little bit of dialogue i have to like patch the timing of but other than that it is done yeah you were off by half a second of audio by my assessment and then we have to do the dub overs i am so fucking proud of you for this you made a change 
at almost every level of this film where rewatching it, I wasn't sure what the change was because it was so subtle, you know, and this was no different. You had a scene that you felt was too, like there's a clock that's clicking and mm-hmm. then you're jumping back into the interview, but you're just kind of cutting between those and this tension building moment. Mm-hmm. And then today you went back in and you clipped in short B-roll shots that held the tension of the ticking clock. And it was so musical, I had to watch it twice because I was like, I didn't even notice. Like, we've we've gotten rid of the clunkiness of this one particular scene. So think, I'm proud of you, I love you, and you are a goddamn genius. I love you, thank you. Um, I think, because this one in particular has been quite a bit harder for me than Happy Birthday, um, just because of the nature of it. We yeah. didn't leave the apartment. It was all shot in one space, and... Um, it's technically heavy... all shot in one room sort of there's a couple of but, stuff yeah, that yeah, was yeah, shot yeah. in our bedroom um Bounge, go wild, wild. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a um a dialogue heavy short film where the mm-hmm. last one had no dialogue whatsoever so it was a big shift and um it's having a lot of problems with it in general and i think it's kind of proven for me, now that we finally like piece this one together, it's not a masterpiece. I'm not patting myself on the back it's or whatever. It's pretty fucking good. Um, but it's a lot. It's a lot better than it was whenever it first yeah. started. Um, the original draft of this was just really not very good. Nor and... was the second draft or the third draft, <laughs> and so this was well, draft number four for this particular well, project. I admit, oh. I admit my first draft. Of <laughs> I was it. like, why are you shitting on my writing? It's like <laughs> no. we established that this one had a couple of revisions. <laughs> no, I mean my first draft of it, like my first. Um, um, attempt at trying to piece it into something yeah. which is not really very good and this is the first time I think because it has taken us so long and I apologize guys I know we originally were on a schedule where we were going to do bi-monthly yeah. challenges don't notice if one. you guys notice but the end of the world <laughs> is fucking happening yeah we were going to do bi-monthly challenges originally so this one should have come back or come out way back in like April I yeah. think so we are quite a few months behind unfortunately um but it is the, the first time ever that, as a production company, we've released um, two short films in one year. Yeah. Like, we've only ever done With one With plans film. to do at least one more before it Hope- shuts out. Hopefully two more. Hopefully my, two. My goal is two more. I'm keeping um, my eyes on you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the... So that's still yeah. an accomplishment for us. We Apple. shot for six. We got to four, hopefully. Yeah. We didn't quite achieve what we wanted, but it's the first time we've released multiple movies in a year, so that's exciting for us. So if you're plans aren't quite working out just kind of keep going and keep exactly. your head up because we've still accomplished more than we have in the past this year mm-hmm. um but with this one in particular it's the first time you and i have sat down multiple times to kind of workshop it together like yeah. normally when um we're doing a short film i kind of just show it to you whenever it's basically done <laughs> he's trying to get um Normally, whenever we do a short film, I just yeah. show it to you when it's basically done, and I'm like, what do you think? And you're like, yeah, it's good, and then we just release it. And um, this go-around, you've watched it probably at least five or six times with you've, me. Five or six? I think we watched it five or six times yesterday. <laughs> watched it two times this morning, for sure. I've probably seen this thing 20 <laughs> times. Well, I meant, like, with the intention of workshopping it. Like, oh, a yeah. couple of times I've just shown you things I've done, but, like, like there's been... Multiple yeah, times. Yeah, probably five times out of yeah. actually, what do you think? You yeah. Know? So there have been a couple of times where I've, like, grabbed you and been like, hey, can you 
like watch this with me i'm feeling a certain type of way about this specific scene yeah. and i can't quite figure out why it's bugging me and like you've like kind of given your input and i feel like um like we've talked about before in the past where whenever i'm working on something if i'm feeling frustrated like i'll move over to working on a different mm -hmm. part of it or if i take a day off and come back to it later i can usually kind of see it from a fresh yeah. perspective but having it's like Polinix says, like you got to, I think, it, no, it might be Ken. I'm, I'm lost somewhere in between the two of them. About uh, writer's block is constipation. You need to go out and eat. I think that's Polinix. You know? I think yeah. that's Polinix. I was like, I don't think Ken would use scatology in his writing advice. <laughs> but um, it's been kind of helpful because there have been a few moments in this movie where I've been like, I just, it's bugging me and I don't mm -hmm. know why it's bugging me. And I've been like, hey, like, come watch this and tell me what you think. And having that like other perspective has really helped me. I feel yeah. like, especially in the past like two weeks, like figure out what was so clunky about this movie. Cause there were just some sections where I was like, it's flowing, it's flowing, it's flowing. And then we slammed on the brakes and I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, that seems to happen every time. And granted, this is the third film I've been a part of uh, a bunch of ones that died in production hell. Uh, but I don't think I ever really saw too much of those in footage. Um, but this is the third one. I've watched you become progressively more musical in the way that you edit your shit together. Like you're doing so many different jobs that I don't know if you notice that you're doing. Like you're doing your audio, you know, stuff, adds music the way that you've edited it, adds music the way you've initially shot it, now you've color corrected it, adds music. I've seen you cut half seconds out of things that builds it, you know, more entirely. Like, you're doing a massive amount of things. You're doing a team's worth of work. But because of the quarantine, we can't really have a team, you know. Just so a one-man crew. It's the two, <laughs> two girls. <laughs> I'm a little bitch. <laughs> no, I do feel like, especially after... I went back and rewatched the opening sequence for the December challenge that mm -hmm. died in production hell, unfortunately, uh, yesterday or the day before, I think, and it's the first time I've watched it in quite a while, and I completely forgot what the opening sequence even was. Yeah. And I think after watching that one again, and then kind of figuring out that sequence today, like, I don't think I figured out the, like the best way to be subtle about it. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like my shots come across a little too forceful. Like, I'm trying to, like, amp up the tension, and it's a little obvious I'm trying to ramp up yeah. the tension. But I do feel like... In That's the an December, interesting thought. And I, that might be because you've probably seen this thing 50 times by now. So, yeah. like, it, you don't feel the tension there. But mm. if I go in blank slate, forget that I wrote you know, um, mm. and watch it that way. I think you've done a damn good job of developing the tension. I don't, what do you mean by... So, like, I've, I've noticed, like, we've talked about before whether or not I have a voice as a filmmaker, and, like, I don't think I necessarily have a specific one, but I think I am kind of starting to realize... You're getting there, yeah. Yeah, I think I am starting to realize the more of these we do, I have, like, little tricks that I go back to whenever mm -hmm. I'm, like, this is supposed to be... A tense moment or an yeah. impactful moment or a serious moment or whatever i have little my like little bag of tricks montages that you love yeah like i have my little bag of tricks i keep going back to so with happy birthday um there's the sequence where we're like 
um, dolling into the backpack, yeah. and then also the sequence at the end where you get that railroad sound effect, mm-hmm. like crashing over the top of these like um, kind of jump cuts of mm-hmm. the bedroom scene. I won't give away the ending in case you haven't watched it yet. Go watch Happy Birthday. Yeah. Um, and then with the December challenge, I I, I really want to hang on to that and actually do something with it later but i am contemplating maybe just um doing like a little montage of like deleted scenes of yeah. stuff we never released at the end of the I year think maybe that would be really fun but the opening sequence of the december challenge has this really cool um steady slow echoey sound of a faucet dripping yeah. like you see the faucet for a second and then as we're kind of exploring the space that we're in mm-hmm. you just hear this like hollow drip it's drip, beautiful. Drip. Yeah, and I forgot how much I liked that. I went back and watched it. Well, you used said, your lights beautifully on the stainless steel of the sink. So mm-hmm. you wind up with this really cool bend in the lighting and then this really hollow sound mm-hmm. and it feels otherworldly right from the beginning. I forgot how good that was. Like, it's not it's not like a Spielberg moment. The script is pretty good <laughs> myself. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I really like that opening sequence. And I'm like, fuck, I wish we had done something with that and i'm hesitant to release it as just like lost footage because i'm like i really like it enough to actually do something with it well you could release it as individual shots and not release the enough to like piece the story together yeah um you just call it like film essay or some shit like that you drop it and then write a essay underneath it in the blog post about like how to create this effect such a pretty sequence it's beautiful yeah there's a gun sequence too that's really cool too but anyway um so talking about things you guys cannot watch unless (laughs) you are in this apartment but it's it's relevant for the everyman (laughs) (laughs) it's relevant to the i've kind of realized like i said i have a bag of tricks i keep going back to so it's similar to the way um happy birthday was shot because that is one you can watch right now there's like this montage of b-roll with this like tense sound in the background that's like kind of setting the tension in the room mm-hmm. and then with the one that'll be out tomorrow um there's a that's sequence. fun to say isn't it <laughs> it is um there's a sequence with a, a watch where it's again this sound that's kind of like hollow and echoing in the room on top of this series of um b-roll shots or whatever so like i've, I've noticed after this week that that is a little trick that i keep going back to and i'm like i gotta find a way to be a little more subtle about it because the sound just comes in i don't think we're just doing this sequence and then it cuts back out and i'm like it's not as subtle as i wanted it to be like it's a little like in your face like hey feel tense right now i think i do the same thing in the writing with my favorite thing in the world which is my fragments you know (laughs) i like those jumpy little things and that might be why i like the uh your trick with the camera so much as it reminds me of like how I've written the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So my apologies. Like, <laughs> I do want what I think of as my voice. It's like you know Tarantino does not apologize for the level of blood, the amount of times he's personally used the N word, or his love of feet on film. And it's like I think I'm just a fragment person. <laughs> well, I, f- I feel like I have a rolling theme of dead children throughout <laughs> the entirety of my work. Well, I feel like people who have been doing it longer have found a way to kind of blend it in so it's a little seamless and you just kind of have that moment where you're like, ooh, that was... Yeah. You know, that got me a little bit. And with mine, it's kind of in your face a bit too much. 
So I've got to find a way to like... I wouldn't say that it's too much. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think... I'm on your I side on being militant and positive and <laughs> drunk. Know. I think I, I lean into the, the sound effects a bit too much. Well, so did Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do think I am, to some extent, developing a bit of a style for certain moments. Did you ever think they would be horror films? Did you set no. out? What did you set out to make? Like, if you if you could, and don't give me the exact one, but like, if you in your head you see your name on a movie poster, and this is your film, what genre is it? I see that's a tough question for me to answer because I grew up in a household where. We didn't go out a ton. Like we definitely went and like did stuff. Like went and saw like the Christmas lights or like all the big events or whatever. Yeah. But it wasn't like a every week thing. My family would go out and do stuff. Like we stayed in a lot. And my mom bought like new movies like every single week. Like my parents had an, an outrageously yeah. large film collection. I lived within bike ride range of a blockbuster, <laughs> and that's what we did. Yeah, <laughs> so like we, we watched movies at home a lot, and my mom's movie collection like ranged from anything and everything. Like rom-coms, yeah. thrillers, horrors, like all kinds of stuff. Like my mom, comedies, my mom yeah. had pretty much any movie you could ever watch want in her collection my mom loved thrillers and my dad loved war films so i grew up on th thrillers and war films i basically introduced horror to our family bloodline and i'm the only one who likes those movies except my mom likes saw one through three <laughs> i don't blame her um but my mom was always really big into crime shows so i watched a oh. lot of crime shows growing up um mine as well <laughs> I personally... Freud was right. I'm just fucking my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I personally really like, in general, um, as long as it's done well and it's not like yeah. cheesy fantasy stuff like Lord of the Rings, which we've talked about, about that before, um, came out when I was... Uh, so 2012? No. I was younger than that. I hadn't graduated high school yet. Yeah, no, I think even before that, I hadn't graduated high school yet whenever it came out. They've been coming um, out forever at this yeah, point. Yeah, like so. the very first one. Yeah. Um, I was still younger. It might and, have even been like 04, 05. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure I was maybe 15 or something. I yeah. think I was pretty young. Um, but anyway, so it was the first movie that I watched that I was really like, holy fuck. Like, and there's hours upon hours upon hours of behind the scenes footage that you can watch with it so like i think in my mind i was like i want to do a movie that's this scale one day like ideally in a perfect world i would yeah. have loved to have worked specifically on lord of the rings but you know that because of the itself. massive battle scenes or? i think just because of how much it reinvented cinema period like there will probably be people who disagree but yeah, i'm I, sitting right here <laughs> I, I think it, for the time period that we were in, which there were other movies before it that completely yeah. changed cinema. You know, Hitchcock was definitely one of the pioneers of cinema. But, well, in um, a different way, I yeah. guess. The Lord of the Rings did, because yeah. it was mass CGI, mass scale, beautiful location. A lot of... They, they went too hard on the CGI in The Hobbit, but a lot of the initial stuff was these incredibly complex miniature sets that they built oh, and really? filmed. Yeah, like... Um, 
when you see like the kind of zooming in shots of like the landscapes or the castles or stuff like that, it's these massive, incredible miniature yeah. sets that they've built. And um, I think my hatred for the movie comes out of my hatred for the novel. It's like, <laughs> it's like I didn't like the book. Why would I watch the film? You know? <laughs> but you only read The Hobbit. You didn't read The Lord I of the I only Lords. read the first 30 pages <laughs> of The Hobbit and said, fuck this. <laughs> but, and um, I've read the Unabomber's Manifesto and other writings front to back. <laughs> <laughs> was a, a movie that brought um, CGI and motion tracking to that level to a whole new level like what a workshop came from that movie and Angie Angie Andy circus or Sergis or however you pronounce his last name Probably not circus it's spelled s-e-r-k-i-s I think so it is spelled almost like huh. it would be pronounced circus um, like pioneered like motion tracking and because he played Gollum yeah um voice demanded the physical acting for him and like for me like realizing that you could take this vast complex world and like all these vast complex characters and make it look that real mm -hmm. kind of blew my mind so like I, I think whether or not it was a fantasy film like I wanted it's to do such a smart film yeah like yeah. I wanted to do a movie that took that level of care and time um and it was the first time I was ever like look what you yeah, can create something like Avatar where it's like you're gonna blow hundreds of millions of dollars you're gonna make this incredible fucking thing that is just it completely removes you from the world yeah like it's, yeah you can take something that's Space literally jam only in our heads and turn it into this real world for people like you can't walk out into the world and see orcs or bugs bunny or yeah, whatever yeah. like to, to take something that's just completely in our minds and make it real to me I, was I, I incredible. get that like I, I get it to an extent and maybe that's why i'm not into fantasy like i my works and the my favorite stories and things tend to deal with real world. This could actually happen to you, mm -hmm. like mainly trauma based because that's been my obsession for my entire life. Um, like The Shining, it's improbable. It's a ghost story, you know, on its head. And it's also a story of childhood trauma and alcoholism and like all of that at the same time wrapped up. And it is beautifully done with mostly practical effects mm -hmm. um and i guess that's my issue with fantasy i've never walked into a bar and seen an orc if i did i'd have so many more questions <laughs> than hey i've got hairy feet you've got a big nose like I don't <laughs> that's what i like about i guess like I, I grew up with an alcoholic father i know what jack torrance is if you took my dad gave him plied him with whiskey and locked him in a fucking hotel with his family he'd be chasing my mom up the stairs with a baseball bat no fucking time <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's what i like about both movies and books in general is the real world can be so stressful and so tedious. So overwhelming, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's a way to escape into a world that you could never visit otherwise. Like, I think that's why Harry Potter was such a huge phenomenon for, for sure. people. It was this incredible fantasy world that for a moment you could pretend you were a part of. But even with Harry Potter, I'm not going to smash it again, um, because it's it, it did do a very positive thing for children and their relationship with literature. I think it created readers um, out of people who were afraid to be readers. It's created almost militant community of nerds. I think it's great. <laughs> um, 
Not a huge fan of the movies, didn't mind the first book, didn't care for the rest of them. Ben tore through every single one of those bastards, and I know how smart my brother is. But with Harry Potter, like I feel you're dealing with a direct real-world issue mm-hmm. with how battle axes. The Lord of the Rings is about race wars and stuff like that. I didn't know too, that because so. I fell asleep in the movie <laughs> theater. <laughs> actually a very complex story in my defense you thought taxi driver was about a guy who drove a taxi uh for two and a half hours i was like it's martin scorsese's biggest movie they cut it out of (laughs) the movie quite a bit it's much more prominent in the book but it's about uh environmental issues too the tree that makes sense the tree ends are being destroyed and burned down and chopped up and Mm -hmm. um there's like this whole battle with the trees against the so it's like an ecotopia type thing I, it's a very complex series, but anyway, um, we've kind of aside or taken a big aside from the answer I was going to give you a minute ago. So, like, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to shit on the fantasy thing without shitting on your love of fantasy and your. I, I'm, I, I could definitely see you doing something like Say, that. You, you can't like, shake my appreciation for no, the Lord no, no, of the Rings. So not, you can shit away. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm just having open dialogue about the genre. I, I think that you'd be perfect for it. You love that kind of stuff. Mom got you the Hogwarts stuff and the little platform side. And, you know. I really liked the Zelda game series growing up, too, so I've always been like into like yeah. fantasy stuff like that. But what I was going to say a minute ago, I, I didn't My dad know. was at war the entire time I was in childhood. My <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Cause like that was a, a point for me where I like first developed like a serious fascination with movies, and I think I would have expected when I went to college and started studying it that I would have made those type of films. But I actually I don't know if it was because my mom was so into crime stuff. Like most of my short films, they weren't scary or anything, but most of my short films that I made in college were kind of a little bit like horror based yeah. or. Like a thriller type feeling. Like the one you made so, with your nieces. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't. I don't think specifically because you and I met, where I was like, "Oh, I'll start making these movies." Like I realized. That's probably why you love me. <laughs> like I realized they were fun, like to the same yeah. extent that fantasy films but the are. Horror is fantasy. It's just yeah. very dark, fucked up fantasy. Well, no, it's actually. <laughs> hilarious that you said that because that is kind of where I was going with that to the same vein where fantasy um, lets you kind of play pretend like in this world that isn't real but you Mm -hmm. can make it real like with horror movies like we always have like some kind of weird special effect thing we need to do or like some kind of like problem we have to work through to like figure out how to like make a scene that you're not really making you're just trying to trick the audience into thinking this thing yeah. happened that didn't really how happen. do you kill a person on camera without killing a person not on legal camera. so yeah i like that about it where like whenever we did um so the tv show i'm writing note on board legally blow up a car <laughs> Good luck, team. I'm a puzzle master, but that's where I put my fantasies. But, like, with the one that's coming out tomorrow, like, we had to, like, workshop the stupid blood gun thing so hard. Like, we found it out super quickly, but, like, it was like, Jesus Christ, how are we going to pull this off, you know? And, like, I I like that about it, where it's, like, I don't know. It it is, like, a little puzzle you're, like, trying to figure out, and I guess that's kind of why I, like the genre to that end like i'm mm-hmm. not a fan of gore and not a fan of uh blood and i had to search for a sound effects uh today of 
nails scratching on skin, and mm -hmm. I found a sound file that was like maybe 30 seconds long. It wasn't very long, but it was just a repetitive sound of like nails scraping against yeah. skin, and some of them sound soft, and then some of them sounded like it was like drawing <laughs> blood, and like the more that played, I was just like, ooh, okay, I'm done listening yeah. now. <laughs> I'm going to pick that one and just move on. <laughs> so I'm still squeamish. Well, I think maybe that's what it is. Horror is catharsis. <laughs> so this makes me uncomfortable. Let me see what that feels like if I crank that up to 100. It made me uncomfortable. I was like, ooh, I don't like that sound. Yeah. I don't like them either. <laughs> I don't know why I do this. If I used to be a cutter. I got bumped. I'll tap it right in there. <laughs> did you um because you used to write poems right did you yeah, always suicidal poems like my, my writing style has not changed since i was like 13 <laughs> so did you always know that you wanted to write like scary books to a level yeah i think so i i wanted to do true crime stuff a lot when i was a kid because much like your mom my mom was deep into true crime as i've said on here i was 13 i believe when mom gave me helter skelter by vincent bugliosi and i find myself now at 29 reading chaos um the one where the guy implicates the cia in the manson murders so at least in that 16 year time span that, that me that loves horror could drive a car right now <laughs> it hasn't much changed it's it's always been violence i was in the third grade when the child services thing happened where i wrote a story about a superhero who could only kill the enemy by hurting innocents so he would punch people through walls to attack the guy He's basically just hitting people with other people. He's <laughs> like, I'll hit a motherfucker with another motherfucker. <laughs> that was his power. Samuel Jackson yeah. to play that role. He could destroy the enemy by destroying Everyone the innocent around him. Yeah. So, yeah, I had that idea in the third grade and got in trouble. <laughs> so, no, it's pretty much what I've been this entire time. When I did my brief. Um, I was much younger. I was probably like 11 or 12 when I did my brief dip into I want to be a writer. I did write crime novel type stuff. See, I, I liked those a lot when I was a kid, too, because my mom liked John Grisham. So I was like, that would be it, you know? Because I think really that's all we're doing as creatives is, and it's not a secret, it's not a big revelation, but Stephen King um, says that you have to find your voice through your constant reader almost like there's a person you're writing this for and it's not always the same person for every project you know so when he wrote Carrie he was writing it to impress somebody I'd like to think his wife because she pulled that out of the trash can and made that dude's entire fucking existence <laughs> you know but when you know you're writing you're writing for something that you want to you want to impress somebody and that's your reader, your constant reader that you're writing to, almost like a love letter. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm ever consciously thinking about that, so that is it. You might not be consciously thinking about it, but that's the point of introspection. You know, are you making this film for your mother? Are you writing this story for your dad? Is it your brother that you're trying to, you know, pique their interest, gain their love? But mm -hmm. there's a reason why we do it. We started because it was encouraged. So you're looking to impress somebody who you haven't encouraged, kind of, in a way. I 
think I just kind of stumbled into it. <laughs> I don't know that it was encouraged on my end. Or if it wasn't encouraged, you're trying to make the people who didn't encourage it fucking acknowledge it, you know. I am super excited to have this one done, though, because it does mean we're moving into the next one that I think we announced months yeah. ago. <laughs> um, brainstorm! Brainstorm, brainstorm, brainstorm. Uh, which we brainstormed about six times. <laughs> the next one. Four uh, drafts, four drafts, four drafts, four are you drafts. Good? <laughs> I'm drinking. <laughs> We're having fun. The next ones are uh, isolation films. So if you guys are going to join us in the challenge, this go around. It's a film about isolation. I think that was just pretty much the parameter on that yeah. one. We left it vague. Um, it has to be enough people. I, I, what do you say? Under five? Because five is our COVID limitation. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know that we ever discussed that, but sure. I mean, it's just going to be Brett and I again in this one. Because <laughs> there's still an epidemic. Maybe pandemic. the dog will make an appearance. <laughs> Haven't decided yet. But I also he get He might to... be the best boy and the star. <laughs> I'll keep you guessing. I also get to bust out my new camera in this next one. you excited about that? I am very excited. I'm going to have to... Have you played with it yet? Once. I'm going to have to like actually pull it out and really figure out how to use it before we shoot. Because yeah. it's um, set up quite a bit different. Every man talking about. Every man? Yeah. you got to pull it out and learn how to use it. Oh. <laughs> Continue. I'm, I'm having fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I, I've, I've messed with it once just to kind of like tinker with it a little bit but I'm, it's completely different from what I'm used to so I'm gonna have to figure out all the settings on it before we shoot the next one but guys our next video is gonna be at minimum in 4k motherfucking hell yeah I think I'll stick to 4k this go around I'm excited to see it because this thing that you've done here with brainstorm on the camera that you have and all the skills that you have to enhance what you've shot um it looks crystal clear to me. And I'm like, it's supposed to look cleaner than this. And so I can't fucking wait. I, I hope I don't fuck it up. I've never... You're not going to fuck it up. Well, I've never... Um, I've never fuck it up. My old camera was just a 1080, and I've never... Like, I've fucked around with 4K footage before, but I've never shot my own. Um, and this camera will shoot all the way up to 6K. Yeah. I think I'm just going to start with 4K, though. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope I don't... Well, what are the concerns? Like, what are just, why can't you just go from where you are to 6K? Like, somebody to me who doesn't know anything about cameras. Like, what are... Do you have to move it slower, or...? Well, the footage is just so much bigger that it, for one, would eat through my memory cards faster, which in this case we're now going to be shooting on... Um, a little portable hard drive instead of a memory card because yeah. the footage is so much larger. And then when you take it in, also you owe me another purchase <laughs> on the debt that we've discussed. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> Maybe more batteries because I think this thing's going to be a battery killer, and I think I've only got three. But um, it also slows down your editing process. So when you try to pull it into Premiere um, or DaVinci or whatever I decide to edit in. Um, if your computer doesn't have enough power to keep up with the footage, your mm. computer will start lagging and the footage will kind of be jerky and jumpy and stuff while you're trying to edit it, which is not ideal. You can't yeah. edit that way. So 
I'm hoping my computer is strong enough to keep up with it, because I did, whenever I bought my computer, throw some upgrades into it, so I'm hoping my computer will just be fine and be able to keep up with it. If it's like not, your desktop, not your yeah, my laptop desktop, that's yeah. trying to kill no, itself? definitely not my laptop. My my desktop is a... I, I upgraded it a bit for yeah. this reason. But uh, if you don't have a computer that's capable of keeping up with how heavy-duty the footage is, you have to do this thing where you create proxies. So the proxies are basically like an imitation, smaller file mm -hmm. of the footage. So your computer thinks it's editing this smaller footage and then whenever you're done editing the proxies it transfers basically your edits onto the actual 4k footage i have only ever done it that way uh just to learn how to do it well i was in school i've never edited um with proxies before so i don't want to have to do <laughs> that because it's just a whole <coughs> extra step that yeah. I don't want to deal with. <laughs> when Kristen so. says a step, she means like an hour and a half to three hours worth yeah, of difference. I, just, I, yeah. I don't want to deal with creating proxies for all the mm -hmm. footage and then having to like finalize all of it afterwards. So I just... It's, it's just more of a pain in the ass unless you have the equipment to keep up with the workload. So... That's really so the main it, difference. It, it's not so much in the shooting of the film as it is in no, the technology gonna, and the editing. Yeah, it's going to be in the editing. Um, this computer, because it is recording... Because in my head, I'd be like, yeah, you've got a 6K camera. Fucking go 6K. <laughs> I think I'm, Open that I don't bastard know. up. I might, um, but, but It would also, be like driving a Hellcat and not having gas. Well, <laughs> You're like, also, I can go really fast once a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, with this camera... Um, this is getting very technical, no, so no, no, no. I apologize if uh, this makes no sense to some people. Um, it makes very little sense to me, so if you can explain it to me, you can explain it to the majority of the audience, <laughs> I would imagine. So, uh, for whatever reason, when they made the 6K, um, the way you're allowed to record the footage is slightly different than the way they did the 4K, um, and I think they did that on purpose so that you buy more expensive shit. Well, I, I think they did it that buy. way on purpose so that the 4K would still have appeal. And yeah. then, you know, the 6K has appeal for, you know, different reasons. So I bought the 6K camera because the sensor size is a 35 millimeter, I believe. So it's a larger sensor size than my camera that I currently have is. What is the sensor size? So, um... Man, this is super technical, and I am not very savvy in this, so I'm going to butcher this. No, just but layman. I don't I don't know what the crop factor is on my camera, and I should know what the crop factor is. What is, is. crop factor? <laughs> <laughs> so in theory, if I'm shooting with a 55mm lens, we're okay. seeing a certain window of space through this lens. 55mm. Millimeter. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, in theory, if I put a 55 millimeter lens on my camera, we're seeing a, a certain section of space because the lens, you know, sees that much yeah. footage. Um, my camera, I don't know what the crop factor is on my camera. I should know it because uh, I've had it so long, but I don't. It's smaller. The um, new camera, the old camera? The old camera. Um, so it's not a full frame camera. So whenever I put that 55 millimeter lens on my camera, my camera then shrinks it down and actually sees less. Because so you get a better picture but less range. 
No, the quality's not any better. You just see less. Um, so <laughs> then why are we doing that? Let's go back to the 55. <laughs> that's just how the camera's made. I have no idea. That's my old camera we're talking about. Um, so in theory, if we have, you know, a yeah. eight foot frame, for instance, you put that lens on my camera, my camera then sees it as a five foot frame. So all of the edges are just being chopped off, basically. Hmm. Um, so it's not truly a 55 millimeter lens on my camera, which is part of the problem. When I put that lens on my camera, I'm actually seeing quite a bit less than you normally would. Yeah. So the new camera is a 35 millimeter uh, sensor, I believe, which is quite a bit bigger than my old camera. So you put the same lens on this new camera and it sees more because yeah. the crop factor is not so tight in. So that, that was a plus for me. So that was part of the reason I picked the 6K. And then also, um, my lenses, because I have only ever owned Canons, are all um, Canon lenses, and the mount on the back of the lens that attaches to the camera is called an EF mount. Yeah. Um, depending on what brand of lenses or brand of camera you use, the mounts are different. What is an EF? That's just what it's called. Okay. It's the type of mount. that It's the metal brackets on the back of the lens that attach to it. That's just what the Canon uses. Okay. It's an EF mount. Um, the Blackmagic 4K, which I did not buy, does not have an EF mount, so I would have had to have bought an adapter to make my lenses even go on the camera at all, and that would have cost me quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. um, the 6K has an EF mount on it, so I didn't have to buy an adapter, yeah. so it just made more sense to me. Um, the downside and why I might not shoot in 6K uh, for this first film at least is um, if you're shooting in 6K on the Blackmagic 6K camera, it, the only file type that you can record on is called B-RAW, which is Blackmagic's own version of RAW footage, which means you have to edit in DaVinci Resolve, period. Okay. Like, you cannot edit in Adobe. I think there's uh, basically like an app or whatever you can download where you can like patch it over to Adobe. I've heard it's very glitchy though, so mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with that. If I edit and if I shoot in 4K on the 6K camera, I have the option to record in a file format that's called ProRes. And ProRes is the general like raw footage file and you can edit that in Adobe. So okay. that's a long-winded answer to basically be like, that's probably why I will shoot it in 4K this go around. Shoot it in 4K, send it to ProRes, which connects to Adobe. Right? It records in ProRes. That's what the file is called. So it would record. 4K. I don't know what a JPEG is. Can you explain JPEG? <laughs> what is a GIF? <laughs> what does GIF stand for? General Information Finder? I have no fucking idea. But yeah, I'm so... bad at mathematics. You just hit me with a biology lecture. I'm just staring at you. Like, I told you. It so was, you lost me at the beginning, but the audience gonna, might need this information. <laughs> I told you it was going to be weird technical no, 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 information no, no, no. that I'm probably butchering. No, but it's interesting. Yeah, I will probably record in 4K for I the next... I just also feel like you tried to explain, like, dark matter to me. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean it's the space between things that doesn't exist? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I will probably <laughs> record this next one in 4K because I do edit my actual footage in Adobe. Um, I prefer Adobe over DaVinci for just general editing. Yeah. Uh, DaVinci is definitely superior for color uh, editing. I don't. Do you spin over there for the color correction, never... or do you do it through Adobe? 
I've never done it. I have always just done it through Adobe. Um, just because I was already editing in Adobe, I probably will now that I own the studio version start converting, and especially now that I own a Blackmagic camera, start converting over to DaVinci to color yeah. edit. I might eventually, I don't know, switch over to actually editing in DaVinci if I get the hang of it. I just don't like their setup for it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, it's it's superior for color correction for sure. So I will probably do 4K just so I can edit in Adobe and then bounce it over to DaVinci to color correct the next one. That's so. what's up. A lot of steps. I have a typewriter uh, <laughs> that was made in 1914. I like it more than my laptop. <laughs> but there's no way to connect my typewriter to the internet. <laughs> I found a typewriter that looked super cool, and I'm pretty sure it was just a regular old typewriter. I don't think there was anything fancy about it other than it looked neat. That was like, I want to say like $1,000 that I almost like sent you. And it's not an antique. It's like a model you can just buy that's just, they just sell it and... Yeah, crazy expensive. It might have been more than a thousand. I was like, oh my god, because I saw it initially and I was like, that's neat. I'm gonna buy that for Brett because it's super cool. And I clicked on it and I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> not today. Going to the antique store. <laughs> not for just a typewriter. Like I was like, that bitch better like USB plug into the computer for that price. Nope, nope, nope. I've got a 1916, 1914, something like that. It's over a hundred years old. I can buy the reels at Staples because it goes into some weird old calculator that people still sell the reels for and when that calculator is officially dead and gone i'm screwed and i don't know how to get typewriter tape for mm -hmm. less than 150 dollars so <laughs> i should be buying it in bulk because yeah. <laughs> i love my typewriter <laughs> this is the the thing we're recording on is the most advanced piece of technology i have and i don't know what it does i don't know what a gig <laughs> is i have no fucking clue what a megabyte does i <laughs> I find new things every single fucking day. <laughs> My typewriter is your DaVinci Pro. <laughs> <laughs> DaVinci Resolve. <laughs> well, resolve yourself to write on a typewriter without all the assistance and see how bad your actual spelling is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my spelling's atrocious. I already know. <laughs> no, that's why I like to humble myself on occasion to go back to a pencil with an eraser. You Every know, time I cramp up my hand, have to like, handwrite or I know I've notes. got five minutes of handwriting before I lock up, so these this, I have to make this work. <laughs> Every time I have to handwrite our show notes, I'm like, I don't think that's how that word's spelled. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I misspelled apocalypse on the notes for today because we were talking earlier about filming during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, you brought that up, and then I pulled up my news thing on my iPad or i fucking computer. <laughs> Apple computer thing. Your Mac? My MacBook. <laughs> And there was a, a guy, he wrote an article, he's making a movie called 18 and a Half, and it's about the missing minutes from the Nixon tapes regarding the Watergate scandal. It sounds pretty cool. But uh, they had one week left of principal before the COVID lockdowns happened. Luckily, the guy who owned the hotel where they were shooting a lot of the movie uh, allowed whoever wanted from the staff to stay there. And like in that time, they created something like two short films, a couple of, you know, like webinars and all this other stuff. And they were the quarantine. 
They were <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. So they just became like this small, you know, creative colony type thing off what I was reading. It was the the title implied that they were going to have hints and tips for filming during quarantine. They didn't. They most people left and the ones who stayed behind found a way to be creative. Um but what would you say about like if you had to with a team and granted we don't have a team outside of me and you and you and me <laughs> and all the dark matter and magic 6k cameras in between <laughs> um how would you go about running a film set in the quarantine with social distancing so that's a tough question because there's so what many. What do films look like after this? Where it's like they're not wearing masks. This isn't real. Yeah, that's that's a tough question because there's so many components to a live film set. There's so many people there, and you could have your crew all wearing masks. Granted, but you can't really, realistically, in my opinion, shoot actors wearing masks and have like two. Well, you many... would have to because that's the real now. Yeah. Like, I, they meet at a diner, like <laughs> American Muslim people, but like <laughs> you have to play off the eyes. It's like I hope that person's smiling at me. <laughs> like you, you couldn't make too many movies where your actors were wearing face masks and keep telling interesting stories. Like eventually, that would be kind of played out. Like you can't have like an action film where your stars running around wearing a mask. People would be like, "This is yeah. kind of silly," you know. Um, so I don't know. Like I. I I feel like if we weren't doing our little short films by ourselves where you and I already live together, we already spend all of our time together, like, I probably wouldn't really be doing anything yeah. right now just because... Not out of codependence, we're married. <laughs> like, we just spend all of our time together. Oh, no. It's like, no, we're, no. we're married I mean, artists no, who I'm, work with each other. I mean, you know? like, we go to bed together every night and all that, so, like, yeah. I'm already around you and if you've got COVID I've got COVID so well what the hell Fuck you know <laughs> so um can't yeah, sleep it's... six feet apart <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy for us to keep doing stuff because we're not around other people we're not pulling in other people so yeah. for us I guess I'm fortunate in that regard that you also um enjoy doing creative stuff and you enjoy writing which is the element that I'm missing so that worked out perfectly <laughs> for me um can't find a writer, marry one. But most of the people that I know that worked in the film industry are basically just not working right now. So I, I don't know what the answer to that is, to be honest. I like it's been kind of crazy, and I think that's part of been the... But we have access. Missoula Airport next year is opening up San Francisco, Los Angeles... In San Diego, I believe, for daily direct flights. So Kristen can actually fly out to L.A. if she needs to on a day's notice. Spend a weekend out there working on some shit, you know, or however long she needs to go out that way and come home, you know? <laughs> like, well, there's stuff coming here now, too, apparently. The VA is being built across the street. Discovered us. Well, no, I meant that show that you were talking about. Yeah, Kevin Costner's coming to town, bitch. <laughs> um, I was like, I loved you, Mr. Brooks. I'm not a big fan of Waterworld. <laughs> I would be interested, in general, to see what life looks like after this. Like, for both of us as creatives, but also just life in general. Like, it feels like it's been so long since... 
I've been anywhere without a mask, so just feeling normal yeah. again will be kind of weird, I think. Well, trying to write, you know, when you can't hear people talk. Like, I used to love going to the bar, as I've said on here. I put my headphones into my iPod. Yes, I have an old iPod that still requires headphones. I have owned one pair of Bluetooth headphones. I still own that pair. <laughs> But I would go in with the plug-in, you know, that you had to run down your shirt, and I would unplug my iPod so that I could, or I'd put it on pause so I could listen to other people's conversations to build characters. But now I don't know who's talking. You know, like, it, it, it I don't know what I'm supposed to write, you know, like I'm reading like drafts. don't go out anymore, either. True, but, like, I don't know how the world is supposed to work you know like i've got my never-ending fucking manuscript the nightmare box that i want to pin down and then i can give up on naming everything i do the nightmare box um but it involves a hospital environment so now i have to lose the faces of the people in the hospital environment due to face masks like i i have to lose all these Passerby strangers. You can't write about strangers. Cause you could. I, I think maybe writing about what's relevant right now, people would connect to in that way. But I don't think you have to write about it. Like I don't think you have to make. I don't a think it's going away. Or a pandemic book. I think eventually there'll be a vaccine. Like they're testing a vaccine right now that they think um, will help prevent it. So I think eventually we'll physically be back to some level of normalcy i think people are always gonna the people that it's like my through it like our be, parents with smallpox yeah where it's like they've got the big circle vaccine in their shoulder and it's like you just don't want to talk about the time where people were dying from smallpox yeah i think as a generation we're probably going to be tainted by it always but I, I don't think i think we're the most tainted generation ever we had 9 11 in our childhood the economy collapsed as we were graduating high school and then when we were functioning adults ready to buy a house the economy collapsed yet again and <laughs> there was a virus destroying the planet in the entire time we were at war in the middle east <laughs> i think we're the most tainted generation of americans since the vietnam people <laughs> blaming it on you yeah, the Vietnam kids were raised by people who saw nuclear warfare in Vietnam. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that necessarily means period either way. We have to write um, a movie or a book or anything that's relevant to this specific thing. I think it maybe hits home a little harder, I guess, if it is relevant. But we as a but... collective of artists are too close to it. We are... Not me and you, but us as an artistic community. In a weird way, almost like the 50s. Like, if you think about Kerouac and the fucking beatniks, you know? <laughs> Those guys that were just smoking dope, doing drugs, confused, terrified, didn't know the Cold War was on one end of their generation, World War II was on the other end of their generation, their grandparents had been killed in World War One. like they're locked into this crazy in-between of what is going to be normal, what used to be normal, like we're there, right in the middle, you know? Like the whole world's been falling apart since... 
1989 if you're an American. <laughs> Much longer if you're an Iraqi. <laughs> or a guy hanging out in Somalia. Or a Russian, you know, like... I, th I think this is America's Metal Moment Part 2. Donald Trump did make America great again. He put us right back in the 50s, that <laughs> bastard. You can't blame Trump for the pandemic. I don't I'm like Trump, but you him. can't blame him for I'm the pandemic. I'm blaming him. No, I'm not going to blame him. <laughs> no, ironically, I say you don't have to make a book about a pandemic when our next movie is about... Uh, Isolation. Yeah. It's about the now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if things will ever quite be... Well, maybe not ever, but I don't... I don't know where we go from here, I guess. I... Our next movie that we want to do after this one requires us to have extra people, um, mm -hmm. and I, I don't know where if, they're gonna come yeah, from. How we're gonna make that happen? So that is kind of a interesting challenge we'll have to face after this movie. Um, for the first time since the pandemic, we're going to need other people, and trying to figure out how to navigate that is gonna be interesting. And seeing how willing people are to participate. Like, do people ultimately let fear win, I guess? <laughs> I'm not sure. But I do have a few things I'd like to read, if we can get to those. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I probably had six beers at this point. I'm going to go grab beer number seven. Then I'm going to try to read at are least you, one of them. Are you gassing out on me? What's happening? I'm not gassing out. I'm feeling introspective. <laughs> None of that. No enlightenment in this table. Nobody likes introspective? I said no enlightenment at this table. No, it's militant positivity. That's why I have the War of Art break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles by Stephen Pressfield, which mm. was once called by Esquire a vital gem, a kick in the ass. Real quick before we get to that, um, just while I'm thinking about it. So, um... Yeah, uh, brainstorm will be out tomorrow. If you guys want to participate, <laughs> if you guys want to participate in the next challenge, we will probably go more in depth on a later episode. But that one's going to be about isolation. Um, and then Brett and I are looking to move towards doing a film that's for a festival run. Yeah. So this next movie is going to be probably the last challenge of the year. Um, if you guys want to do a final film with us. I'm not going to give you parameters for this one because this is a very specific film for us. Um, I will just say if you have an idea or a concept that you've been kind of sitting on that you think is good enough to, you know, send to festivals or send to a writing competition or Maybe whatever. that is the challenge. Send one off to a writing festival yeah. or a film festival. Whether yeah. it's a writing challenge or a film festival, that's going to be our last big thing for the year. You guys probably, unfortunately, won't get to see that movie for a while because a lot of film festivals won't accept movies that have been yeah. published. So um, this next one's going to be our last big hurrah together. And then you guys are on your own. I have faith in you. I have faith in you too, and I hope that if you know you do nothing else except pay $25 to send in your work, guess what? If it doesn't get accepted, you haven't been accepted yet. So <laughs> it, it's my go-to. Kristen, do you want to tell them what you did yesterday? Uh, not on the podcast. Okay. Kristen did say... a very big thing that could 
very much change our lives yesterday and my only advice was if you try to do this and you lose you're no different than you are right now so you've (laughs) send good vibes guys because i need good vibes i can't talk about it right now but hopefully it pans out it would be big big though big big (laughs) so i've got and it's um like two and a quarter page but it's big type on small paper so it it, it, if you've not read the uh war of art um it's a really good book it's fantastic and it is as esquire said a kick in the ass um i've got three different things but you mentioned fear um a minute ago and that is literally a title that i had written down on my legal pad so i thought i'd dive into that one first and we did do a whole episode a while ago about this book so i'm sorry if this is from that i can't remember exactly what readings we did but if you've got the paperback of uh the war of art making sure there's not another edition okay um and you go to page 142, you'll find a uh, chapter called Fear, and it reads like this. Resistance feeds on fear. We experience resistance as fear, but fear of what? Fear of the consequences of following our heart. Fear of bankruptcy, of poverty, of insolvency. Fear of groveling when we try to make it on our own, and of groveling when we give up and come crawling back to where we started. Fear of being selfish, of being rotten wives or disloyal husbands. Fear of failing to support our families, of sacrificing their dreams for ours. Fear of betraying our race, our hood, our homies. Fear of failure, fear of being ridiculous, fear of throwing away the education, the training, the preparation that those we love have sacrificed so much for, that we ourselves has worked our butts off for. Fear of launching into the void, of hurtling too far out there. Fear of passing some point of no return beyond which we cannot recant, cannot reverse, cannot rescind, but must live with this cocked up choice for the rest of our lives. Fear of madness. Fear of insanity. Fear of death. These are serious fears, but they're not the real fear, not the master fear the mother of all fears it's so close to us that even when we verbalize it we don't believe it fear that we will succeed that we can access the powers we secretly know we possess that we can become the person we sense in our hearts we truly are this is the most terrifying prospect a human being can face because it ejects him at one go, he imagines, for all the trivial or all the tribal inclusions his psyche is wired for and has been for 50 million years. We fear discovering that we are more than we think we are, more than our parents slash children slash teachers think we are. We fear that we actually possess the talent that our still small voice tells us, that we actually have the guts the perseverance, the capacity. We fear that we truly can steer our ship, plant our flag, reach our promised land, and we fear this because if it's true, 
then we become estranged from all we know. We pass through a membrane. We become monsters and monstrous. We know that if we embrace our ideals, we must prove worthy of them. And that scares the hell out of us. What will become of us? We will lose our friends and family who will no longer recognize us. We will wind up alone in the cold void of starry space with nothing and no one to hold on to. Of course, this is exactly what happens, but here's the trick. We wind up in space, but not alone. Instead, we are tapped into an unquenchable, unquenchable, undepletable, inexhaustible source of wisdom, consciousness, companionship. Yeah, we lose friends, but we find friends too, in places we never thought to look. And they're better friends, truer friends, and we're better and truer to them. That's fear. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good book. It's definitely worth reading. Brett bought me a copy uh, for Christmas one year, maybe? Yeah. Very uplifting. (laughs) And that's where that discussion ends. I thought we would have a whole discussion about... (laughs) You brought a way bigger section than I thought you were going to. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I mean... I don't know how to say it any more eloquently than that passage did. I mean, that passage pretty much covers it. I think we tend to be our own worst enemies whenever it comes to pursuing the things that we want, you know. I I think everybody at some point in their life has had a friend or family member or whatever be like, you can't do that or that's too difficult or... Or even yourself. Well, how are we going to chop down that door? I don't see a reason why we can't, as you said in a post that I saw in my memories recently that really made me happy. Um, <laughs> well, no, that's where I was going with that, though. Um, I think at some point we've all had some outside influence in our life tell us we weren't capable of something, but I, I think it hurts worse when you hit a moment where you don't believe that you're capable and we definitely can be our own like the thing that's holding us back the most like I've as Bruce Springsteen once said my own worst enemy has come to town yeah like I've put off a lot of things because I didn't think that I could do them you know so like even when other people were like either cheering me on or telling me that was too difficult. It didn't really phase me as much as my own hesitation. Like whenever I hit a moment where I was like, I don't think that I can do that. It's a lot more gut wrenching. So yeah, I mean, how good does it feel though, to know that the film comes out tomorrow? Having overcome the fear, this isn't good enough. We should trash this one and move to the next. You stuck with this one. I think for I think that's a very strong move. Yeah, I think for me, um, and I guess that was kind of the point of this whole process anyway, like I have not been 
wholeheartedly happy with any of them. Like you say you love Happy Birthday and I watch Happy Birthday and go, man, there's different choices I should have made for different things. No, I feel that way about the script. I wish I would have put more into the story, but I love that film. Um, and like with this one that we're releasing tomorrow, like I, I watched that one and, you can, and there are several scenes where I'm like, I wish I had made a different choice there. I wish that it turned out a bit differently, but I, I feel good about the fact that every time we put out a new one, I'm like, well, I learned this or I learned that or the sequence turned out really good and I'm kind of fine-tuning yeah. these individual things instead of necessarily releasing a whole movie that I'm proud of start to finish like I'm finding sections where it's like well I learned that this go around and next go around I learned that so ideally it's you know King's whole bit about having the toolbox I'm You're chucking building. in yeah. bits that are helping me get better I finally have my fucking hammer <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for me it's it's not necessarily like I'm super stoked to release this film because this film is fantastic. I'm like, I really nailed a few things and a few things I did not do so well, but I learned a lot of things from it. So if we keep putting these out, like each movie, ideally, you know, I'm learning more and doing more and each movie is a little more fine-tuned because I have that like base of knowledge that I learned from the last one going into the next one. So for me, I'm not necessarily... Which sounds pessimistic, I know, but I'm not necessarily excited to release it per se, as excited hmm. that it was a learning process for me. So I'm more excited for myself than for whatever your like reaction is, I guess. Like uh, I'm, it's always that. If, yeah. you, if you start worrying about the reaction, then you've fucked up and you've lost yourself, I think, to a certain level. Yeah, <laughs> like I've, I've uh, hit a point where I'm like, Okay, I feel like I've like gotten what I can get out of this one. Let's go to the next one. So yeah. for me, I'm not even like, let's release it and find out what people think. I'm like, okay, let's start working on the next one. <laughs> yeah, let's just hit the ground yeah. fucking running. <laughs> I've got two more, and they both work. So I'm going to start with uh, the one that closest reminds me about what you said. This is 73 and 74, title for the love of the game. To clarify clarify a point about professionalism, the professional, though he accepts money, does not... (sighs) I might be too drunk. (laughs) To clarify a point about professionalism, he says with a very slow tongue, the professional, though he accepts money, does his work out of love. He has to love it. Otherwise, he wouldn't devote his life to it of his own free will. The professional has learned, however, that too much love can be a bad thing. Too much love can make him choke. The seeming detachment of the professional, the cold-blooded character of his demeanor, is a compensating device to keep him from loving the game so much that he freezes in action. Playing for money or adopting the attitude of one who plays for money lowers the fever. Remember what we said about fear, love, and resistance. The more you love your art slash calling slash enterprise, the more important its accomplishment is to the evolution of your soul. The more you will fear it and the more resistance you will experience facing it. The payoff of playing the game for money is not the money, which you may never see anyway. 
even after you turn pro. The payoff is that playing the game for money produces the proper professional attitude. It inculcates the lunch pail mentality, the hardcore, hard head, hard hat state of mind that shows up for work despite the rain or snow or dark of night and slugs it out day after day. The writer is an infantryman. He knows that progress is measured in yards of dirt extracted from the enemy one day, one hour, one minute at a time and paid for in blood. The artist wears combat boots. He looks in the mirror and sees G.I. Joe. Remember, the muse favors working stiffs. She hates prima donnas. Mm -hmm. To the gods, the supreme sin is not rape or murder, but pride. To think of yourself as a mercenary, a gun for hire, implants the proper humility. It purges pride and preciousness. Resistance loves pride and preciousness. Resistance says, show me a writer who's too good to take job X, assignment Y, and I'll show you a guy I can crack like a walnut. Technically, the professional takes money. Technically, the pro plays for pay. But in the end, he does it for love. And let's consider this. What are the aspects of a professional? Are you asking me? I don't no, that's, oh, what, that he, that's what oh. he asks. And then <laughs> the like, next one, the professional is patient, a professional seeks order, a professional demystifies, acts in the face of fear, accepts no excuses, plays it as it lays, is prepared, does not show off, dedicates himself to mastering through technique, does not hesitate to ask for help, distances herself from her instrument, does not take failure or success personally, endures adversity, self-validates, recognizes her limitations, reinvents himself, uh, recognized that. by other professionals, and then it closes on you, Inc., and a few others. I forgot that that book switches pronouns back and forth. Yeah. I remember <laughs> liking that, that they... It wasn't just men. Her, yeah. Because yeah. the general is always his. <laughs> to have a book where every once in a while he's like, yeah, her. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's what weird aside, but I forgot that mm -hmm. about that book. I haven't read that book in probably a good year or more. So I've got one more for you. And we can discuss it or we can just let it sink in. I'm kind of liking this format. It's like these are long passages, and I feel like he says all there needs to be said. I know, but... So I'm like, I don't have anything to If add. we have anything to expand on, we can expand on it. And if you guys have anything to expand on, you can send us an email at... Nightmareboxproductions <laughs> at Gmail. And tell us what you think. Um, and this is 62-63, so professionals and amateurs. This was the first one I wanted to talk about. I talked about them in reverse order because we brought up fear and this need for professionalism and your big move so maybe this is the apropos one that we should close out on <laughs> aspiring artist aspiring artists defeated by resistance share one trait they think like amateurs they have not yet turned pro side note from Brett Plume when the going gets weird the weird turn pro 
my favorite thing Hunter S. Thompson ever said. They have not yet turned pro. <laughs> the moment an artist turns pro is an apocal as the birth of his first child. With one stroke, everything changes. I can state absolutely that the term of my life can be divided into two parts. Before turning pro and after. To be clear, when I say professional, I don't mean doctors and lawyers, those of the professions. I mean the professional as an ideal, the professional in contrast to the amateur. Consider the difference. The amateur plays for fun, the professional plays for keeps. To the amateur, the game is his avocation. To a pro, it's his vocation. The amateur plays part-time, the professional full-time. The amateur is a weekend warrior. The professional is there seven days a week. The word amateur comes from the Latin root meaning to love. The conventional interpretation is that the amateur pursues his calling out of love, while the pro does it for money. Not the way I see it. In my view, the amateur does not love the game enough. If he did, he would not pursue it as a sideline, distinct from his quote-unquote real vocation. The professional loves it so much, he dedicates his life to it. He commits full-time. That's what I mean when I say turning pro. And resistance hates it when we turn pro. It's an interesting um, way of viewing it, because I guess technically, by those standards, we would both be pro. Mm -hmm. um, on the flip side, I'm very curious. We're part-time pro. Yeah, we are. That's the name of the episode. Part-time <laughs> part <-time> pros. <laughs> we are. Pros, P-R-O-S-E. <laughs> we are technically weekend warriors, just because that's all the time we have. But uh, it's not by choice. But we but, work every day. Yeah. That, that's an interesting way of viewing it, because I, I guess technically by those standards, yeah, we would be pros. But um, I don't know what that feels like, and I'd be very curious to know what it feels like to have this moment of, oh, I am a professional. Like, I, we've talked about well, that before. You've released films. I've published a book. Yeah. We, we know what it feels like, and it feels like the next project. It doesn't feel like, hey, I did that once. That's good enough for me. Well, I, I don't even mean it like that. I mean, like we've talked about imposter syndrome before on mm -hmm. this episode um, a few times. And on like, this episode? Or, or sorry, on this podcast. <laughs> I'm a little buzzy now, As I guess. As opposed to our other with podcast. With my one beer. Um, <laughs> on, yeah, on our other podcast. That imaginary one that Brett's constantly wanting to record. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I am, in all actuality, a lot more skilled than I was when I first started. You know, the first time I ever picked up a camera, I didn't know really any of the stuff I know now. Um, technical-wise or just the art yeah. of it. You know, I have learned a tremendous amount over the years of my quote-unquote career. Um, Quick quote, wrong quote. <laughs> it. it is your career. Um, you have a side job. Well, I, I don't make any money from it, so I don't know that it really technically counts as it a career. It is your career. <laughs> but the, the point is, like, by those standards, if 
we're viewing it more your attitude about it than we are professionals, but I don't ever, when I'm doing anything, no matter how good or bad the movie turns out, feel like I'm a professional. I'm like, fuck, I'm like floundering here, like trying to keep up, you know? So I'd just be curious to know what that would feel like to wake up one day and be like, God damn it, I am a professional. I think you know what it feels like because you had two days off and you spent both of them making a film. And yeah, I, but I don't, I don't want to speak for you and say that you feel more fulfilled in those yeah, two days than you do sure. at your five days at work, which makes your actual technical you know, job yeah. is a job. And what you do in those two days is your career. No, 100%. Or you would spend it sitting on the couch masturbating and playing Call of Duty. I think that's what you would do. Yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for the constant theme, I'd be cum empty all the time. <laughs> one hand jerking it, one hand shooting people with a 45. Why do you always got to make it inappropriate? Yeah, that's what um, I do. But no, like, I, I do 100% feel more fulfilled from that. And by any real standards I'm not an amateur like I I know quite a bit I've made some maybe not professional looking films but I've definitely made some technically they sound look, films they look beautiful so yeah. it is just kind of a curious um, I guess struggle in both directions of like growing as an artist but also still feeling like you're kind of that idiot in the corner like what am i doing you know every day of my life so it is kind of a interesting to hear it worded that way because i mean like i said technically we are professionals but every every day of my life when i hit a new roadblock in whatever film we're making i'm like fuck i am an idiot well i embrace the what was the phrase it begins with an i imposter syndrome yeah I embrace that because I feel like if I ever think I've nailed it down that I've fucked up and I'm lying to myself. You know <laughs> There are no masters of the craft, again, from on writing, you know. Like <laughs> you're never gonna figure it out all the way. If you figured it out all the way, then you're done building the puzzle that you've dedicated your life to. What are you supposed to do with the rest of your life? Like <laughs> I feel like I'm finally figuring out pacing and stuff better like that was a thing I struggled with a lot initially and so now I'm kind of like at that space where I'm ready to move on to like the technical challenges like I fucking hate special effects and yet you want to make your life in fantasy films <laughs> well I like practical effects more like it's like the the CGI stuff is just such a pain in the ass because I don't really know how to do it so like anytime Digital I need fucked everything <laughs> Anytime I need any kind of special effect, I'm like, damn it, i got to figure out how to do this. <laughs> so, like, I, I feel like I'm at least at that stage where I have, like, the sound base knowledge, and it's like, okay, let's figure out how to fancy this shit up a bit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so it is a interesting thought. Like, it's like, technically, technically we're both, like, years into our crafts, and we're both technically pros, but I still feel like an idiot for some reason. <laughs> every day very first thought when I wake up but we've reached an hour and a half my love and I still have to make you dinner we still have to watch a two star and we still have to do a two star and I'm pretty drunk so we should probably pick something ridiculous that I can laugh about that mm -hmm. would be the move we'll figure it out you're not going to remember it at all 
probably not. I'll <laughs> probably be deep into a blackout by the time we watch the movie. <laughs> and it but might you're be off tomorrow. So there's I am. This is technically my Saturday. Happy Saturday to the crew. But um, if you want to see more of Kristen's work, you can go to youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington because she doesn't love me. She I, it's much more difficult to change it on YouTube, you butt. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Kristen Pennington. You can see all of Kristen Pennington's work. Uh, or you can go on to youtube.com slash nightmareboxpro. Productions. God. And you can go over there and you can see Kristen Bloom's work. <laughs> 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 or you go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions you might even scoot on over there to the instagram and take pictures of whatever you're doing (laughs) at nightmareboxproductions or you can tweet us your twat you can do that at no you cannot at nightmareboxpro uh the email where you can send us your um ideas on how to play trial by trolley uh nightmareboxproductions at gmail um or the website, which is? The nightmarebox.blog. Which, the best part about that is you're about to get a whole new cavalcade of pictures of behind-the-scenes stuff um, for Kristen's new film, uh, Brainstorm. It's our film. And you can go watch the dolls up in the top right-hand corner. Happy birthday links in there. The scripts are there. There's a couple of short stories that I've done. I promise you guys I have more ideas but I'm working a manual labor job, and I think they're trying to kill me. Um, so I, I I don't know when I'm going to sit down and write them. They're in notebooks. They're being written. They're just taking fucking forever. In the meantime, though, um, Brainstorm will be up on the website tomorrow, as well as the script for Brainstorm. Yeah. So Can we put read out the script all, and then watch all the movie? The, all three scripts. Oh, God. All three or four scripts. No. it's like hey here's the dog shit that started this and then you can you know go through draft after draft after draft of completely different stories ironically named the ring (laughs) (laughs) I don't know we'll figure it out Uh, but we'll have an update for you guys on Tuesday and uh, with whatever film that I'm going to drunkenly go sit down and watch but I'm going to go make dinner for the beautiful the effervescent the live laugh love with a bunch of tropical pictures on her titties um Kristen Bloom alright so welcome to the nightmare box so we were just done alright but in the meantime all of you out there pray for my head my shoulders knees and toes knees and toes and my, my big thing big you have a big thing yes i do have a big thing i've got a short and stubby thing how did you wind up with a big one genetics that's why my butt hurts all right i love you guys we'll talk to you later head shoulders knees and toes